Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. Thank you guys so much. That was a really impactful story, but we are just going to jump right in and get started. Um, Before we get started, we have this awesome panel of these lovely faces, and we, just to kind of like break the ice a little bit, uh, everybody's going to share their most embarrassing date or like relationship thing. So, Sam, take it away. My name is Sam, and it took me a little bit to think about an embarrassing moment. Now, this didn't happen to me, but it, it was kind of at my fault. So, I was embarrassed about it. Um, I uh, met a girl that was going to take her on a date for the very first time, and at the time I was pretty young, I think I was, I don't even know, 19, 20, I just got this like really big jacked up truck, I mean like 11 inches of lift, huge tires, and I'm like, I am going to pick her up in this sweet new truck I got, right? And so there's no like side rails or anything on it to get into the truck, and I go to her house and pick her up, and I'm being the nice guy get out, open the door, and she goes, and she's not, she's not like super tall or anything either, so she goes to get in the truck and put, puts one leg up in the truck and then puts her hands up to try and tries to get up and her pants rip, and I was just like, um, uh, you, you wanna, wanna change or should we get a ladder or, you know, I was just like, I, it didn't happen to me, but I was pretty embarrassed. I was like, you kind of do the old, uh, so, uh, you know, so that's my embarrassing moment. That's kind of hard to follow, but okay. My name is Saray, and I am from San Antonio, Texas, way far, far away from here. <laughs> um, and I would have to say, it wasn't really embarrassing, but it's kind of awkward. I, so my name's Saray, and most of you have probably never heard that name ever, and so there was this guy, and we kind of met through mutual friends. We weren't close at all. People were just like, you guys, you should go on a date, you know, so don't ever do that, side note, (laughs) but so I was like, okay, so exciting, you know, he's like tall and handsome, you know, and so I get there, we go to the day. It was actually so much fun. It was the best, and I was just thinking in my head, like, Jesus, you are so good to me, you know? I'm just, like, having one of those girly moments, like, oh, my, this is happening, you know? And then we get to the end of the date, and as slick as he could possibly be, he looks at me and he says, so what was your name again? And I was like, okay, it was nice to meet you. So, I mean, that one wasn't, like, embarrassing, but it was so awkward because I'm like, we got through this entire night, and you still don't know my name, so... It was done. It didn't go very far after that, but that's my awkward story. (laughs) My name is Rick Martineau, and um, it's been a long time since I've been, been, I've been married for almost 35 years, so I can't remember back when I dated. So as you get older, not too many things embarrass you anymore. (laughs) So I would say, I'll do one that's not um, typical, but I remember getting dressed one morning for work, in the dark, put all my clothes on, went to work. At work, everybody's calling me Reverend Rick. Why? What's going on? Reverend Rick, I don't get any of this. 
Didn't realize it till I got home and my wife says, you put your shirt on backwards this morning and a tag's sitting out in the front. So I worked all day with my shirt inside out. Nice. It was a nice day the next day at work too. So my name's Brooke. Um, so the, I feel like I've had a lot of stupid and embarrassing moments, but I can only think of one right now, or today. So um, I was dating a guy, had a boyfriend, not Andrew, not my husband. This was a long time ago. Um, and we were arguing, like, pretty intensely, and which is not a good sign. If you're not even married yet and you're arguing like that, not even a good sign. But anyways, you're arguing, and I kind of tried to be like prove my point and I like folded my arms and I leaned back against like the window in his bedroom and the window just shattered because I like pushed and it was so embarrassing and I was mad and I was like it was just yeah terrible it was awful those were great guys thank you for being honest I know that wasn't easy anyways we are just gonna jump right in so the first question is why is sex bad before marriage besides the fact that God tells us it is? I'm going to jump into this question because um, a little bit about me and why I think this question is good for me because I was on the other side. I didn't get saved till I was 37, and uh, we were in the middle of a divorce, almost to the end of the divorce, before we both found God in it. So thank God for Jesus. But anyway... Sex before marriage. I just want to give a scripture first before I start to kind of tie this in, and I will bring it full circle. I want to go to 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 17. And I really want you to take heart to these scriptures and the reason why. Um, there's so many effects of having sex before marriage and out of what God designed. God designed us to have sex. He designed sex. It's his idea. And in the marriage, it's actually supposed to be exciting and fun. But outside the marriage, there's consequences. I go into some of the reasons. Marriage or sex before marriage, there's, a, there's something that happens more spiritual than actually physical. People say, oh, it's just physical. No, it's not just physical. It's spiritual and there, this involves the soul and a lot of other things that happen when you join together with another person. Okay. It says, do you, know, do you not know that your bodies are a member of Christ? Shall I then take away the member of Christ and make them a member of a prostitute? May it never be, or so do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is in one body with her? For he says... The two shall become one. Those two scriptures there, God sees you as one when you, when you have sex outside of marriage. And there's another thing that happens when you have sex outside of marriage. It's called soul ties. And if I can get this thing to work, I've got a great definition of what a soul tie is because we say it, but do most people know what soul tie is? The definition of a soul tie a spiritual-slash-emotional connection you have to someone after being intimate with them, usually engaging in sexual intercourse, to the point that when you want to be, get rid of them from your mind and your life, even when you are far away from them and out of their presence, you still feel as if they are a part of your 
a part of you, and a part of you is with them, causing you to feel unwhole, as if you were given up some of yourself, untangible, that cannot be easily, it can't be get back. So you lose something in that process, and not only that, you put up these soul ties in your mind, and you remember every, for a guy, I can come from a guy's perspective, you remember everything. When I was a little boy, I found a Playboy magazine that my dad had hid. And from that day on, it's just like a drug. It goes worse. It goes from that, then it goes to pornography, and then it goes to masturbation, and then it goes, in my mind, pretty soon you can't look at another, the opposite sex, in a pure way. It tarnishes your view of the other sex. So this is very real and very important. God says not to because he wants you not to get hurt. He doesn't want you to have to. Now you can become a Christian. I become a Christian, and guess what? Now i got to fight this. i got to fight, like Paul says, I, all my, to re, get rid of my past. So I have to renew my mind all the time to get rid of those things from the past so they don't corrupt my future. So it's very important what God says. And I'll just add one thing really quick is that when God says don't do something in the Bible, he has a command and he says don't have sex before marriage. He's not withholding something from you. He says that because he loves you, because he has your best in mind and he knows that it's not, he knows that it's going to hurt you. And just really quick, I had sex more than I could even count before I was married and I wish that I didn't because when I got married... I now had all those soul ties. I had the baggage. I had the mental and emotional that I had to renew my mind on. And my husband didn't have sex with anybody. So he had to take that on, and he had to forgive me, and he had to walk through that with me. And that's not fun to do when you're, mar when you're married. You know, you don't want to go through that. And so it's a very real thing. It's, it's not just a physical act, and I always thought it was just physical. But it's physical, it's mental, it's emotional. And girls, it's very emotional because God made us that way. And it's spiritual, too. And um, so it's just going to hurt you. And God wants you to enjoy it, and he wants the best for you because he loves you. So it's not a command, I'm withholding this from you. It's I am your father, and I want the best for you. That's good. I think it's so important that just in settings like this, um, I think that the topic of sex and relationships and all of these things it, it might be like a little bit uncomfortable for people, but we, the church, just as church, as a church and as Christians, we should be the one talking about that. Because if we're not talking about it, then, then we're going to get our ideas and, and opinions from the world, and we know that that's not a good idea. So, next question. How do you know if the person you're dating will be good or will satisfy you when you're married if you don't have sex before you're married? Um, good question. So when you look at this question, it has, when you really look at it, it's got like a self, selfish base to it. Um, the first thing I see is that you cannot define a relationship by a sexual experience. You can never build a relationship off of a sexual experience. But I can tell you that you can build a sexual experience off of a relationship. So, it's that 
getting to know. It's that opening your eyes and understanding who that partner is, understanding what makes that partner tick, understanding, you know, how you and her work together better. And when you're sacrificing yourself, when you're surrendering yourself for that person, it's, it's just like your relationship with Christ. You know, you don't get those super awesome God experiences without first submitting into prayer, fasting, and really giving yourself over to God. You know, and, and he allows that to happen in a given time. Um, and I also want to say something else about this, and it kind of ties into the first question as well. But that when you have sex, you're creating a covenant, a covenant between a man and a woman. Um, when you look at covenant, covenant really means it means that you're creating an alliance, a pledge, or an agreement. When Abraham made the first covenant with God, he took, I believe it was a sheep, a goat, and a ram, and he cut them in half. And he put the halves opposite each other, and then when God told him to, uh, and it wasn't until the very end of the day, so, God, so Abraham had to guard the sacrifices and keep the vultures off from eating the sacrifice. So that, to me, reflects something that you are guarding your relationship, watching over your relationship, watching over your covenant, keeping it, getting the birds away, keeping the devil off of your side. You know, you're really protecting yourself and your partner. So you want to lead in that way. But when God came at the end of the day, Abraham passed through those halves. He passed through the flesh. So he walked through the flesh. So when you look at covenant, you say, what does covenant mean when it comes to sex? Well, I can tell you right now that in any covenant in the Bible, usually you see shedding of blood. And, and I'm not going to get too in detail or anything like that, but there's some kind of blood involved with a covenant when you're having sex in the very, for the very first time. And then there's also the passing through of the flesh. And then there's the surrender. See, there's always a surrender when there's a covenant. There's always something being sacrificed for the covenant. The first covenant we see is in Noah when, when all the people of the world were were sacrificed, they were killed off so that God could establish a covenant with Noah. And then we see the, the animals killed, and then we see the cutting of the flesh with circumcision, and you can keep going on and on. There's shedding of blood, there's, there's passing through of the flesh, and there's surrender sacrifice becoming one. You become one with some, just like Rick was talking about. That covenant is very important. And if we seek to have sex before marriage just to see what the experience is like and if it'll be satisfying, what you're doing, even if you're doing it outside of, of even being serious with someone about getting married, is you're creating a covenant. And the more covenants you create and break, God does not like it when you break covenant. It'll have an effect on your life. It's not that you can't come back from. It's not that God's not a forgiving God. But, but he holds covenant very high. He really does. So take that in mind, and also remember that everywhere you go, Jesus is with you. So when you're breaking covenant, when you're, when you're making and breaking covenant outside of marriage, Jesus is there with you. He walks with you wherever you go, and he talks with you. Keep your ears open and listen. Guard that sacrifice. Guard that covenant. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. How are you guys doing? Good? Okay, so what qualities should a Christian single person be looking for in a future spouse? Okay, there we go. I'm the to token single person on this panel, so that's my question. Yes. So I think, um, and again, I am single, so this is definitely a question that hits close Guys, to Guys, again, she is single. I know. I <laughs> 
That was not an advertisement. That's just I'm trying to be relatable here. All my single ladies, you know. Okay. So, so I think, you know, when I was younger, I would kind of make lists. And I'd have like a physical list and a spiritual list. And it was like on the physical list, he had to be, you know, six foot three with like a certain color eyes and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then on the spiritual, you know, he has to love Jesus and blah, blah, blah. You know, and actually I had really good, you know, things on both sides. Um, But one day I just realized and like the older I get, I just realized that a lot of times the qualities that we're looking for, the characteristics that we're looking for, Um, sometimes are not the right things that we should be looking for. And so I think two of the the main things that we should be looking for, number one, first and foremost, is his relationship with Jesus. Because in my opinion, I'm looking for a man who has a relationship with Jesus, a solid relationship with Jesus, long before I come along. Because I don't want it to be this thing where it's like, oh, she goes to church, so let me go to church, like praise the Lord. Because then down the line when he's not trying to impress you quite so much, is he still going to come to church with you? Is he still going to be lifting his hands? Is he still going to have quiet time? So that's something that I really look for. And, um, you know, you can find that kind of thing out through his friends, through his family, Um, not even necessarily just him or her sometimes because, you know, people confront, people are fake. But just really look for that and, and look how how he interacts with the Lord. You know, is he really in love with Jesus? And another quality... Um, I think is good to look for is, um, is that person growing as a person, as a single? You know, I think so many people in our society nowadays are kind of living life waiting um, for their significant other. You know, it's kind of like they're, they have like the pause button on life until they find somebody else. And for me, I really want somebody who's working towards being that person that they're looking for. You know, not just looking for somebody significant, but being someone significant. And so for me, those are just two of the really good qualities. I mean, like I said before, I don't think we should take so much time being quite so tedious, just making so many little detailed lists because it's like, oh no, if he doesn't have blonde hair, he's not it. God, you know, you know, I think that's not, I think that's not it. But And then another thing, though, is that um, Stephen Furtick said in in a message one time, something that was really good, and so I'm going to take it. Um, He said, though, he said, watch people's patterns. Don't look for their potential. And I think that's so good when you're looking for somebody and looking at their characteristics, looking at their qualities. Don't look at, like, oh, well, he's going to church. He has so much potential. Like, he loves Jesus. He, you know, he has a good job, blah, blah, blah. But watch his patterns. Like, really take the time to watch his patterns watch how consistently he goes to the gym. I mean, it's the smallest thing, but that being consistent is something that will carry over into another part of his life. If he's consistent in one area of life, he'll be consistent in other areas of life. And so for this question, I would, I guess, rephrase it into, into, um, instead of watching your patterns, not potential, but watch for patterns, not for qualities necessarily, because that's what's going to carry over and that's what's going to continue, you know, through the relationship. And through the honeymoon stage, when you're trying to be cute for each other, you know, when things aren't so cute, the patterns and the habits that they created while they were single are still going to be there, whether you like it or not. So, so good. What things in your past should you open up and talk about those things when you start a relationship? If so, when? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, Yes, you should definitely share things with 
someone that you could see yourself with. You definitely should. So yes, I think that when you share things, so I just think of, you know, like things in your past, you know, having sex with other people, anything else that you did, you know, you have struggled with pornography, like all that kind of stuff, definitely need to share and talk about. Um, but maybe not right away, like use wisdom. And I think that's where, you know, the Holy Spirit will, he will lead you in that. Um, but if you, I think if you find someone, you know, if you're just dating someone and just getting to know them right away, you don't need to just say, hey, by the way, I struggle with pornography. Like I struggle with, you know, like just that's, you don't even know that, you know, that might be, that's not really using wisdom. Um, but, you know, after a while when you're like, okay, this is serious, seri getting serious. This is someone I could potentially, I actually see myself marrying. Um, and they're, you know, they're everything I want. And we're kind of going that direction. Then, yeah, you need to have that conversation about that stuff. Because um, if, you're not, if you're not sharing stuff before you're married, you're not going to share it after. If you're hiding things before you're married and lying and being fake, you're going to be a liar and a fake after you're married. And it's going to be even worse. Um, so, you know, my husband and I, um, we had that conversation and we, we knew that, okay, we're going to get married. Like, we, we love each other. We're, we, we found each other. You know, we know we're getting married. Um, and so he and I, he was very wise and mature. And it also showed me that the godly character that he had where he wanted to know. He was like, hey, I want to know all these, this stuff about you because I need, I, I need to know if I can deal with that. And I'm, I need to forgive you and I need, you know, I want to walk through all that stuff with you. And that was just confirmation, too, that I found a man that wanted to forgive me and that wanted to walk through that with me. So that's another, you know, you can either see, hey, how, how does he treat me? Does he, does he forgive me? Does he give me grace? Or is he like, you had sex with other people? I'm, I'm done, you know? So, yes, talk about it, but use wisdom um, and wait till there's someone that you potentially are going to marry before you share that stuff with them. That's good. Next question, is it okay to date someone who is not a Christian or who doesn't share the same morals as you with hopes and intentions that they will become a Christian someday? Oh, flirt to convert, missionary dating, huh? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. I think we've all been there. Wow, you're cute. Would you consider Jesus, you know? Sometimes um, I can speak pretty highly, well, not highly, but I can speak from this. I've so many times I tried, so many times, um, and even when I met my my now wife, um, when I met her, um, I knew who Jesus was in my life. Um, I knew um, that He was the Lord of my life, and and I wasn't really following following Him completely to the to the T at the time. But when I met my wife, my wife was not a believer. She had a Catholic background. She, you know, went to church when she was younger, and that was kind of it. And so she was just kind of living life. Um, I dated my wife, or I didn't date my wife for about a year. We were friends for a year. Um, so I got to know what her values and her morals were. When it comes to this question, I don't want to stray you away from people that don't know Jesus. Because Philip went down to Samaria. And I've been saying this to my wife all day, so now she knows what I meant. I just kept saying it to her. She had no clue. But Philip went down to Samaria because the Samaritans didn't know anything about Jesus. The Samaritans 
uh, had no clue what was going on. And Philip went down to finish planting what Jesus started with a woman at the well. And we're called to plant those seeds in people's lives that don't know Jesus. But on that note, don't go looking for the relationship. You can, you can get to know somebody. You can, you can have friends that do not know Jesus. That is, that is awesome. And if that friendship grows into to finding out what their morals and values are and they're starting to line up and that person comes and receives Jesus, I feel like then is the time to start moving more towards that relationship area. Um, so often we, we, we want to go outside the mold, and that's the way it was. I'm an outside-the-mold type guy. And I, I, I could tell you so many times I thought, man, if she just knows about Jesus, you know, if she just knows about Jesus, this thing can, this thing can work. You know, I, I know you guys all been there. Don't lie to me. <laughs> but we have to be willing to invest the time. I had to be willing to wait. I had to be willing to wait. And, and thank God the Lord allowed my wife to understand who Jesus was, to see my life as it was, and to really, we, and we, we dated for a long time, a long period of time. And I, we did that because not only did I know what her background was, but I knew that it was going to be an investment of time to, for us to align our beliefs and our values so that when we did get married, that we were in alignment so that we weren't going to be pulled from left or right, that we were going to pull out of that. The Bible talks about being unequally yoked. I mean, that's, you know, oldest scripture in the book on missionary dating, you know, don't be unequally yoked, you know. Um, so be intentional about sharing Jesus, but also be, guard your heart, because when you give that away, it's really hard to get back. You know, it really is. Guard that heart, and, and be careful of those that, that are going to, you know, Try to be the person you want them to be. So ask God to give you the eyes to see. That's good. It also says in the Bible that it's God's will that everyone should be saved. And so a lot of times we think, oh, no, I, you know, I don't want to, like, cross the line. I don't want to do that. But it says in God's word that it's his will that everybody is saved. And whether or not they accept it or not, that's still God's purpose. And God still has a plan for their lives. So don't be afraid, guys. All right, next question. What are appropriate physical boundaries in a Christian dating relationship? Okay, so this is a fun one. <clears throat> so I have three things that I thought about when thinking about this question. Um, and so I would say be intentional, be teachable, and be holy. And I'll explain what I mean by all three of those. So be intentional, I would say, to set, to work so hard to set intentional and real, realistic and honest boundaries when you're in a relationship. Because um, I think if you're not intentional about it, it's something that can very easily, um, like before you know it, you're just, you're in there, you know? And so you want to make sure that before you even get to that vulnerable place that you're like, listen, this is... These are our boundaries. These are the lines that will not be crossed. And be honest about it. You know, if there's an area that you struggle in and you're like, listen, for me, it is not a good idea if we uh, watch Netflix on your couch after a certain time. Be honest. Isn't you there know, like because, a word for that? 
like Netflix, Netflix and, and chill. chill. Hashtag Netflix and chill. Yeah. So just be honest, you know, um, I think like what Brooke was saying earlier, you know, there's a time and a place to be honest about different things. And I think that would be, you know, one of them when it comes to your boundaries is being open and honest about stuff like that um, because you want to remain pure before God. Um, another thing, the second thing was to be teachable. And I think for that one, it's realizing that it's okay to make mistakes in a relationship. Like, don't be so hard on yourself if that line is crossed. You know what I mean? Don't be like, well, Jesus forgives me. Here we go again. You know, it's not like that. But it's like, if you cross that line, be teachable. And remember, like, okay, so this time we, we failed. You know, we didn't do good this time. So let me be teachable. Let me figure out next time, how can I be better? And, and again, just being honest with each other, don't be, be willing to look you know, ask other people who have been there before, you know, how can I do this better? Like, we keep failing in this area. How can I, you know, be better? I have a friend. Um, I'm not in a relationship, but she is. And so we'll be honest with each other, you know, and I have that one person that's just like, listen, like, this happened. How do I fix this next time? And being willing to hear their advice and change it next time, you know. Um, and, and again, don't be so hard on yourself if, if you do make mistakes and, and learn and then the last one is to be holy. And um, in Leviticus 20, 26, the scripture says, you must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all other people to be my very own. And um, I was talking to a friend actually about purity and just uh, purity and boundaries and things like that in a relationship. And she actually had another friend who was praying for her, for her. And she got this word from God for her. And she said, focus on being holy, not being pure. And at first I was like, you know, that doesn't make sense. We're supposed to be pure in relationships, you know? But when she started breaking it down, I was like, this is so good because, you know, like I just read, God says, be holy for I am holy. You know, God has chosen us. He set us apart. He's called us to be holy as, as he is holy. And as we focus on being holy, as we focus on our relationship with him, the purity will follow, you know, because we'll just be so in love with Jesus. We'll want to please him with our lives We'll just want to be holy like him. Like, Jesus, all I want to do is be like you. And when you're doing that, the purity is going to follow because you're not going to want to be impure in the eyes of God. You're not going to want to do something that would, you know, hurt his heart because you love him so much and you want to be holy like he is holy. And so those are the three things. Be intentional, be teachable, and be holy as God is holy. So, Awesome. Next question, how long should you date before getting married? So we were all, we kind of all had talked about this question and we all looked at each other and were like, well, it depends on the people, depends on you. And, um, you know, because everyone's different, everyone's in a different place. Um, some, you know, I would say that I would... I can't, you can't give like a time, a time zone on this and be like, you should date for this amount of time, but you should get to know each other. You should be friends, develop a friendship, and you should do, before you get married, some sort of premarital counseling. So, and I can say that because Andrew and I did not. We didn't, we didn't go to church and we didn't do premarital counseling and we wish we did because there were so many things we didn't talk about. We were friends for seven, eight, eight nine years we were friends but when we, when it switched from friends to romantic and intimate and we're going to get married then we needed to dig into deeper stuff 
and go to counseling, to premarital counseling with pastors and stuff like that. So, and I know, you know, some churches have, I think here we do premarital counseling for six months is what they suggest or whatever. So, you know, taking that time to say, well, you know, we're not going to date for, you know, a few months because we're going to go through this and we're going to learn stuff and we're going to invest in a relationship, that kind of thing. So, but everyone's different, but I think just, I think that getting to know each other in a friendship first is really important and that can take a year, two years, that can take months. I mean, that's different for everybody, but then like doing some sort of seeking advice and counsel before you get married, however long that takes is really important. Yes. What does lust look like within a marriage? Back to the old guy. I have 35 years, so I think I uh, got a little insight on this one. Um, Let's define lust first. Uncontrolled or illicit sexual desire or appetite, a passionate or overmastering desire or craving. Now that... So lust can be designed, the one word in there that really stuck out to me is overmastering. Think about lust. You can lust after food. You can lust after things. It's not just sex. But in a marriage, where's your mind going when you're lusting after your wife or after something? It's in a wrong place. It's a mindset. So, and, and when you're in a marriage, it's not lust. You're trying to please your partner. Your partner, both of you are in a covenant relationship, so you want to please the other person. So it's important. Um, but what lust looks like is your mind is in a wrong spot. It's a craving. It's a, it's a master over you. No matter what area it is, if it's food, if it's, if it's sex, it's something that's mastering over you. And it, 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 it always craves for more. It's a craving. So it looks like, I guess... You look at something that people are craving over a lot. Um, there's, a, there's, a fine, there's a line there that can be crossed in a marriage. But biggest thing is the other person is your partner. They're your equal. And you're in covenant with them. And you want to please them. When you're in love with somebody and they're your partner for life, you want to please them. You want to do their desires. You don't want to do things that they don't care and they don't like. So that's my definition of what it looks like in a marriage. Awesome. All right, this is going to be the last question. Sorry. The question is, is there the one, one specific person that God has for you? This is a loaded question. Yeah, so is there the one that you're waiting for, the one that God has predestined for you, the one that God has called for you? Um, I guess when we were talking about this, we kind of all looked at each other and were like, well, kind of maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, okay. And then, then uh, Andrew brought up the story of Isaac. And Abraham told his servant, Eleazar, to go into the land where his family was from and find a wife for Isaac. And Eleazar goes, and he prays to the Lord, and he says, Lord, give me a sign. Lord, the woman that comes and waters me and waters my cattle, she will be the one that I will choose for, for Isaac. He set forth 
almost boundaries that, Lord, if this is the person, I want to know that this is the person. I want to know that I know that I know that this is the one that you have called for Isaac. So there, there, there falls in line that if we are obedient and that we, and this is, I want to get this across tonight, that, that you should be praying for the person that you're going to marry right now. You should be thanking God for them. You should, you should be uh, just asking the Lord to open your eyes to see and, Lord, and, and pray for that person that that person would have their eyes open and see as well. Because God has somebody for you that is going to line up. There's something about something to be said about being in God's plan. So Eleazar was obedient to God's word, and he chose Rebecca, and Rebecca was the one that he brought back for Isaac. And God has that person for you. He has that person that, that you can call your own. And God gives us the free will. So we can choose the person that he has for us, or we cannot choose the person that he has for us. So... Remember that. That's why it's important to pray about that person because when you pray about it, you're being intentional. And when you're intentional, that means you're going to be looking intentionally for God's will in that situation. And in relationships and different things like that, we can get all kinds of fuzzied up. Our eyes get blurry and we're like, oh, but they're handsome. Oh, but she's pretty. You know, um, it is just take everything in and bring it back to the Lord. That's what we have to do. Um, I feel like we put certain circumstances on the one. When, before I met my wife, I had a relationship about two years before I met my wife, and I met this girl, and we were like the exact same person. And we hit it off. I mean, it was sparks flying, just infatuation, love drunk, whatever you want to call it. We were just like head over heels, and it lasted all of three months. And it, and it just fuzzed out phased out. And I thought, man, I'm never going to meet somebody that, that is going to spark me so much. Is going to, you know, at that time I was just like overwhelmed with, really? I just, I couldn't believe it didn't work because I'd never felt such an overwhelming uh, love infatuation before in my life. It was an emotional attachment. And when I met my wife, uh, we were playing volleyball and I was like, oh, she's cute, you know. So I just started talking to her, got to know her. We, we became friends. She was super, super reserved, like talk to me across the table, what's your name again? Um, you know, we would hang out, and she'd, she'd wear a helmet on the motorcycle, so I couldn't talk to her, and, you know, I'd be like, you know, it's just one of the most embarrassing stories that she has, and her helmet kept hitting me in the back of the head while we are driving down the, it's great. But um, I never had that overwhelming emotion. I never had the sparks flying. I never had that, oh, my gosh, I love you, type moment with her. We moved into a relationship, an intentional, an intentional relationship, and I never got that emotional, overwhelming, uh, drunk, infatuated love that I thought I would feel for the person that God had for me. I really sat in that place, and we, what we did is we cultivated an unconditional love relationship. And when we came to dating, we got to that point of dating that and I, it was so weird. God, God was a good part of my life at that point. So we got to the point of dating. We got three months into dating. And I was just remember sitting at the house one day, sitting back like, Lord, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to be okay. You know, and I felt like, how can I say that about somebody that I've spent so much time with? But he's like, I have set you in an unconditional love state. It's not that if it doesn't work, you won't stop loving her. It's not that because you don't feel what you think you should feel, that that's not the one. But he's, he's like, you put me first. And that's where you want to be. 
Because when you put God first, he's going to have that person right alongside you that, that encourages you, that, that brings you to that next level. And you're not even going to realize it. So try not to pay so much attention to that overwhelming uh, feeling of sparks flying and, and drunk, infatuated love. You know, it, it's just, it's an emotional feeling. If we, if we base every decision on emotional feeling, basically every decision you made on emotional feeling, most of the time ends in disaster. Because that emotion fades, it goes away. But what you create down in here, and that's why our relationship with Jesus Christ is so important. It's because of what we create down in here. I just add really, really quick to that. That question to me, when people ask that question, there's like a hint of worry in it. It's like, oh, am I going to miss who God has for me? But if you're really seeking God and you're, you're seeking him and you're praying, he's not going to let you miss it. God is bigger than that. He loves you so much that you don't even know. He's not going to let you miss it if you're seeking him. So don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry. Worry is not from God. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net. Thank you.